Hey, good morning everyone. Great to be with you today. Good to come on up. I came up early this morning so Marilyn didn't make it. She put her head off the pillow and said bye as I was leaving and the dog was in his bed. He put his head up and said bye and then he jumped up next to Marilyn. So uh, I'm on my own. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, we had our 50th wedding anniversary a month ago so I think... Uh, I think she followed me around for 50 years, so she probably deserves a, a lion every now and again, which is good. Great to see uh, Pastor Mike and Amy over in Bangladesh. Desh. I, I, it's so exciting, isn't it, that as a people, we can be involved in something that is bigger than ourselves. So often, you know, we can live in our own little world, and we have our little church, our little bless me clubs, and so on. Uh, but, you know, we can be, we can be involved in, in something bigger than ourselves. And if we're going to be something bigger than ourselves, why not go global? You know, why not go for the world? Jesus said we're to take the gospel into all the world. And so, you know, the exciting things that I'm, uh, we're doing in Elam Christian Center and the nations of the world, uh, I just get so wrapped about it, it all. And, um, tomorrow, uh, Pastor Boyd, Boyd and Vicky will, um, fly out to Chennai in India. And we have our Elam Church there. There's about four or 5,000 people in that. And uh, Pastor Sam Jebedurai, who's founded that uh, church there, uh, came and saw me a number of years ago, asked if they could do something, uh, a church there. And uh, he had written 800 books, over 800 books in Tamil. Um, he had a prayer center where they have up to 10,000 people come and pray and fast. But didn't have a church and uh, asked if they could start something uh, under, under Elam there. And uh, he passed away last week. And a great man of God, and so Pastor uh, Boyd and Vicky uh, flying out there tomorrow just to attend his service, uh, funeral service or memorial service. Pastor Boyd, as usual, was not organized. His passport was running out, and so they had to run around and organize all that at the end of last week. But uh, that goes with the journey, doesn't it, Tom? <laughs> anyway, let's hear a little bit out of uh, Scripture, shall we? And we're doing a series uh, on Written in Red. And uh, some of your Bibles, you'll find that the uh, sayings of Jesus, not, not every Bible, but some Bibles say the sayings of Jesus are highlighted in red. And um, so they're there just to, uh, I guess, um, let us realize some of the things that Jesus is saying. Because Jesus was a, a master at communicating in, uh, in word pictures. And he always used like parables, these brilliant word pictures to get a point across to minister revelation to the people that uh, he was talking to. In Luke chapter 17, he's talking to the people there on on offenses and forgiveness and holding on to things so it ends up that a you know, root of bitterness gets inside of the people. And he cautions us to uh, what can happen if we do that. And again, in his masterful way, he uses an illustration of a tree. Like we're talking about bitterness and he talks about a tree. And so let's read about that in Luke chapter 17 and verse 3. He says, Take heed to yourselves if your brother's sins rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, wow, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to the sycamine tree, be rooted up and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. So Jesus, he's talking about forgiveness. So he starts talking about faith and a tree. 
and say, let's look at that. So sycamine uh, tree in Palestine uh, belongs to the fig tree family. It's got nothing to do with the sycamore tree. Often we talk about the sycamore tree, Zacchaeus climbing the sycamore tree. Nothing to do with that. Uh, it is a tree that had a very large, a very deep root structure. The tree was known to have one of the deepest root structures of all the trees in the uh, Middle East. And so it was a vigorous, robust tree that could grow to more than 30 feet, 10 meters or so uh, tall. And uh, it, then also because the roots went so deep down into the ground, uh, it was very, very difficult to, to kill it. And so hot weather, blistering temperatures like you get in that part of the world had little effect on this tree because the roots went right down deep into underwater uh, water sources uh, that were down deep under the earth, enabling it to, to just keep resurfacing and growing again and again. And so the sycamine tree was able to grow where other trees weren't able to grow. And uh, the sycamine tree and the mulberry tree look very similar to each other and are very similar in appearance. In fact, the two also had fruit that looked very similar uh, to each other. However, the fruit of the sycamine tree, uh, it was very bitter. And so uh, the fruit looked just as uh, delicious as the mulberry fig. And, uh, but uh, when the person tasted the fruit of the sycamine tree, like it was like really, really bitter, uh, horrible, bitter taste to it. And so the mulberry figs were very expensive, and therefore they tended to be eaten by the more wealthy folk. And, uh, but the sycamine fig, it was like the poor alternative. It was brought by the poorer folk. There they ate that as a substitute. And so this is the background to these verses that Jesus is giving to us here. And so Jesus is comparing the bitterness of the sycamine fruit uh, to the bitterness that we can have in our life if we hold unforgiveness. And the sycamine tree is often referred to as the tree of unforgiveness. And so Jesus says, all you need is a little bit of faith. If you've got a little bit of faith, you can tear down a tree with that little seed of faith. A tree that is torn down by a seed. Sounds weird, doesn't it? But this passage is different than Pastor Peter talked about uh, having a little bit of faith so that you can move a mountain. This is different than that passage. Remember, Jesus spoke about that. You know, we have mountains that happen. They come into our life and like we didn't cause them. They're like a barrier that's there. Something happens. Maybe like we've been laid off or maybe like there's a huge um, issue that comes up that uh, we just don't know how to cope with. It's like a mountain that's in front of us and, and we're praying and believing God for that. It's not. This is different than that. This is talking about a tree. This is talking about something that grew inside of you. It started small, but it grew and it grew and it grew in, in, inside of you. And so whatever you did, you know, Jesus is saying it grew and, and, and became like a, a large tree. Jesus calls it a sycamine tree. He's talking about unforgiveness here. So let's look at some of the lessons that we can learn out of, out of this passage. And the first one I want to say is that unforgiveness produces deep roots. Unforgiveness produces deep roots. Jesus is saying that what you're dealing with now has deep roots. The bitterness that I've got has got deep roots. The habits that I've got have got deep roots. That's why the sycamine tree was hard to kill. It had these deep roots. You, you could cut it down to the ground, but it would just spring up again. It had a system. And, and so you can't saw it down. You can't hack it down. You can't trim it down. You can't cut it down because all you're doing is you're just cutting off the manifestation. It had deep roots. It would just grow uh, again. The tree may be 10 meters tall, but, but what is on top is not as tall as what is underneath. 
and what is underneath the tree has deep roots. And so roots of bitterness go down deep in the human life. They lie hidden in the heart, in the soil of the heart. And uh, these deep roots of the sycamine tree resemble those, th- those deep roots of bitterness that get into our life that are just so hard to kill. For this reason, we're warned in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, under, unforgiveness can cause deep roots to grow into our life that are very, very hard to destroy. Second thing I want to say is that unforgiveness will bury you. Unforgiveness will bury you. The sycamine tree uh, might not mean too much to us, but to the people of Israel, it, it was known also as the casket tree. They used it to build coffins. It was a like a tough, durable wood, a little bit like we have treated timber today that we put into the ground. Well, they didn't have treated timber. They, they had the sycamine tree uh, was very tough and durable that would last a long time in the ground. So they built caskets out of it. And so the moment Jesus began to talk about the sycamine tree, everybody's mind would have gone to death. This was a tree that they used to build coffins. If you don't kill the sycamine tree, the sycamine tree will bury you. They build caskets out of it. Bitterness unresolved will shorten your lifespan. It'll kill your creativity. It'll kill your potential to love or to be loved. The sycamine tree was like the fruit of it was so bitter. You, you just couldn't eat it in, in, in one big mouthful. You had to like nibble at it and then put it down for a little while and then nibble at it again and then put it down again and then nibble at it again over and over. And, and uh, it was just too tart just to be eaten in, in one time. And, and the same with, with what's growing inside of you. It's like, like, you know, you're nibbling at it the whole time. It's going over and over in your mind. You're nibbling at it. And then, you know, then you get onto something and then you come back and you're nibbling at it again. And, and, and you, you know, all the time you're going over and over it in, in your mind. And, and if you're not careful, it's going to bury you. See, if you don't get it by the roots, you're going to be entombed by it. It will destroy you. The third thing I want to say is that unforgiveness can affect anyone. Unforgiveness can affect anyone. In the sycamine tree, it grew in any climate. It was accessible to all people. It was like a, a, an, an equal opportunities employer. It didn't matter whether you were wealthy or poor or old or young or, or whatever. And the thing about the sycamine tree, too, that it, it grows quickly. It grew in any climate. It grew fast. Uh, you didn't need any fertilizer. You didn't need anything uh, to make it uh, grow a certain climate or anything. It just grew quick. See, you can get bitter quick. You can be married to somebody for three years, but then you're carrying bitterness about that relationship for the next 30 years. It'll kill my opportunities. It'll kill what God has given to me. It'll kill my future. It'll kill my destiny. It'll kill my love. It'll kill my peace. It'll kill my power. God tries to bless me, and, and, and I, like I cancel it out. And uh, whatever they did to you, it, it was quicker than what it's caused. You know, the after effects, that it may have just been a word. It may have just been an action. It may have been just something that happened. And, but, but the after, it messes you up for years. And so the tree grew quick, and it went deep. And now what I won't resolve, what I won't let go will end up killing me. And then the fourth thing I've got is that unforgiveness flourishes in dry times. Sycamore tree can grow in dry places. See, when when you're feeling dry about about what you didn't get, about what didn't work out, 
the excuses that you make up to remain uh, bitter. The sycamine tree thrives in that. It, it flourishes in that climate. It, it was eaten by poor folk. It was like when you're feeling poor in spirit, when, when your attitude to life is poor me, you know, poor me, what happened to me? It's all about you. That, that it thrives in that sort of climate, and, and, and it will branch all the way out, and it, it will touch your kids, and it will touch your friends, it will touch your opportunities, it will touch what, what you could have been. I could have been happy, but the roots got it. Could have been free, but the roots got it. Could have been blessed financially, but the roots got it. And if you let bitterness go long enough in your life, what you find is before, before long, it will destroy your attitude and destroy all your relationships. It'll kill your morale, kill your enthusiasm, it'll kill your uh, commitment. You won't be able to focus, and when you can't focus on something, then you can't win. And then when you see other people that are focused and are winning, well, then you can't, you get bitter about their success. You can't enjoy somebody else's success because all the time you're thinking about what could have been in your own life. And so you, you didn't get that root out. The revelation and, and the word picture that Jesus is portraying is, is, is that the sin of unforgiveness is a sin that, that will bring death into our life. It's a caution to us. James 1.15 says, when sin is finished, it brings forth death. And so the sycamine tree was a reminder to the people that were listening to Jesus that the sin of unforgiveness is a serious sin of the heart that, that can produce physical harm to us. Uh, when we're spiritually dry, bitterness runs rapid. You know, this, this wood is used for coffins. That's how deadly serious that, that bitterness is in, in our life. And, and Jesus used the sycamine tree for a reason because he's saying that unforgiveness, it doesn't hurt the one that, that we are offended with. It only hurts us. We're the ones that it hurts. You know, it'll kill our joy. It'll kill our peace. It'll kill our spiritual life. And even medical people will, will, will tell you that if, you, if you, you're holding grudges against people, you're holding unforgiveness, eventually it'll come out and it will affect you in some physical way in your health. The interesting thing about the sycamine tree is that it was unusual in that it was only polluted, uh, pollinated by wasps. It was only pollinated by wasps. It, it could only be um, reproduced by wasps stinging right into the very heart of the fruit. See, the devil desires to, to uh, pollinate our lives by, by, uh, by stinging right into the very heart of the potential of, of, of our life. See, it wasn't naturally pollinated. You, you weren't born like, like, like that. You, you became like that. See, what was your wasp? See, the, the wasp was the only one that could, could pollinate the, the tree be, because... The wasp was the only one that had a stinger that was strong enough to get right into the heart of the fruit. See, I'm asking you, what, what stung you? See, whatever stung you got to your fruit, got to your possibilities. There's nothing worse than getting to your fruit because when it gets to your fruit, it gets to all your hopes and all of your dreams. And, and, and when you get stung and all of your hopes and all of your dreams, then... You've lost life. So that means that, that whatever I've become is, is, is less than what God intended to me, me to be. And, and, and part of my bitterness is in, in the back of my mind. It's this thought going over and over of, of what I could have been if I hadn't gone through the, the experience that I've been through, the bitterness that I've been through. My success doesn't feel like success because he stung me. You know, have you ever been stung in life? 
you can get stung by a wasp and and uh, sometimes with some people the the after effects of the sting is worse than the actual sting some people like they really react to it and maybe their arm all swells up or the you know there's something their body starts to react to it and and uh, you, you, you can't touch them, you can't get near them. They're, they're like really, uh, there's a strong reaction to this thing that, that, that they've received. Uh, and uh, they, they, they can't hold things, they can't do things because of it. I had a little, um, I thought it was like a, a, a prickle had got into the back of my arm there. I thought maybe I'd brushed against a bougainvillea or a rose or something and, and like a, I had like, a, I thought like a splinter or something. You know, it's like you get a splinter in your hand. and But... But it got worse, and I have for a couple of years. And uh, I, after over time, it just like uh, you know, I wouldn't notice it. But in other times, my my arm would just throb and throb. Other times, be like a shooting pain would go go up and down. But the worst thing was, I'd be walking along with Marilyn, and she would forget, and 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 she'd go to grab my arm, like I just about jump jump through the roof. You know, it's like. Don't touch me. You know, we can be like that, can't we? In areas that we've been touched in life, areas we've been stung in life. And then, and then God asks us to do something or someone asks us to do something. You know, don't touch me. Don't you know? I can't do that. I've been stung. I can't do that. You know, we, we're reactionary about being asked to do something that we're not able to do it. Don't, don't, don't you understand? I've been stung in life. I can't do that. I wonder how many times... You've been stung. You can put it on your resume to justify your bitterness. Maybe a very long resume. You know, maybe it was Bill, maybe it was John, maybe it was Mary, maybe it was Henry. You'll never know what they do to me. And you've got this big, long resume of stuff. And after about, you know, you get into your 30s and you find, you know, that your train fills the temple and there's no room in there for the glory of God. It's just all about you. And it's turning into a casket that will bury you. The roots can grow in your teens, can ruin your 20s, go into your 30s, then into your 40s. Affects your attitude to your job and your marriage, the way you're parenting. All of those branches, they're all in there reaching out and the odds are against you coming into wholeness. See, the meaning of the sycamine tree is directly related to forgiveness. And, and Jesus was saying there, to, in order to get rid of the sycamine from one's life, a person only needs to have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. Jesus is saying, it's only a small seed. It's, he's saying it's easy. It's not difficult. What has become a big thing in our life didn't need to be. It, it, it's something which is very small and it, it, it's very easy. And Jesus is telling the disciples not a great amount of faith is needed to deal with bitterness and unforgiveness. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. And if they sin against you seven times in a day, seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Like forgiving once is a challenge for most of us, isn't it? Think, oh, flip, you know. But forgive someone seven times in one day? No way. You know, must have sounded extremely hard to the disciples because they say, Lord, we don't know if we've got enough faith for that. Like imagine fiery Peter. Like I, I can imagine him, someone offending him seven times in a day. You say, no way. No way, man. You know, that's impossible. Lord, increase our faith. 
You know, that's what they're saying here. Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus say, no, if you've got faith just the size of a little mustard seed, you can say to the sycamine tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, 31, says all the laws, all the commandments can be condensed down to this one little sentence, love God, love your neighbor. He said, if you get that, you get the whole book. You get the whole Old Testament. If you get that, you get the whole Old Testament. That's what is summed up in. You'll water those dry places where only now the sycamine tree is growing in your life. You'll water those places, and what will happen? Other fruit, other trees will begin to grow, which once was dry, barren land. How do we use our little bit of faith to overcome life's hurts? First one I got is don't nurse your hurts. Throw them away. Place them with positive attitudes. Self-pity will destroy you. It will destroy others that you live with. It's like a poison in your system. Don't nurse your hurts. Don't rehearse your hurts. Going over and over and over and over them again only turns a molehill into a mountain. You know, sometimes we can talk to somebody and we feel better because we're spewing it all out, you know, over them, you know. They're probably feeling yuck, you know, but we feel better. No, we should only be sharing and talking with others if the whole purpose of sharing and talking is to get free from it. So don't rehearse your hurts. Don't curse your hurts. You will harvest what you sow in this world. If you curse those who hurt you, it will come back. You can't help your past, but you can change your future. There's a guy in the book of Genesis in the Bible called Lamech. Lamech's an interesting character, and and, uh, something happened. Some other man struck him, hurt him in some particular way, and, 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 and Lamech's response was that he killed him. And, and then afterwards, uh, after he killed this guy, he went and boasted to his, his two wives. He's the first guy in Scripture that it records had two wives, which maybe explains something about him, I don't know. But anyway, he went back, and this was his attitude. He said, if anyone took revenge against him, he would in return make them pay 77 times. With Lamech, there was no forgiveness, no understanding, just revenge. And Peter comes along and says to Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Now, Peter's getting a lot of faith, seven times. He must have remembered, Jesus said, seven times in a day. He said seven times. Jesus said no, 77 times. Jesus takes this whole attitude of Lamech and the Old Testament of getting revenge 77 times and he turns it right around and he says, no, you forgive 77 times. He completely reverses it. Don't curse your hurts, but reverse your hurts. They can make you bitter or better. Remember Jesus, he was a supreme example, wasn't he? When he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. See, there are two ways you can live with a hurt. You can forgive or you can take revenge. One will bring life. One will bring death. One will set you free. The other one will bind you up. That's the heart of genuine forgiveness. It's relinquishing my right to get even. Relinquishing my right to get even. The Apostle Paul, he wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, he said, Never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For he has said that he will will repay those who deserve it. Notice he says, don't try to get even. Don't try to retaliate. Don't seek revenge. Leave that up to God. 
You know that little saying, hurt people, hurt people? You know, often that there's, we hurt someone else because we are hurting inside. And often when somebody does something to us, if our attitude is that we forgive, maybe we can see behind the action that they are doing and begin to see the heart of the person and see where they are hurting. And maybe we can help and minister to them in some way there. Then you can pray to God to bless them. You can do good to those that hate you. You can bless those who curse you. What you're doing is you're responding to evil with good. You say, how can I ever do that? That's impossible. You know, I couldn't do that. And that's so true, isn't it? Humanly speaking, that is impossible. There's only one thing that enables us to have a heart that forgive. If we allow the love of God to come into our life and penetrate every part of our life, then it gives to us the ability to forgive other people. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it said, Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. There's this guy, he had this big argument with his wife. And then he went into work the, into his, uh, the next day, and he's talking to his workmate, and he said, oh, he said, last night, my wife, she just got historical. And his workmate said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, I mean historical. She told me everything I've ever done wrong. <laughs> do you ever do that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> We're probably, we've all done it, I think, from time to time, eh? When I do that, the Bible says, then I am being hateful. I'm not doing it in love. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't mean that you forget it, but you don't take it and you use it as ammunition to retaliate. You don't, it means that you don't use it to pull them down. You know, love keeps no record of wrongs. We are just to forgive. So that is so hard, we think. That is so hard. Jesus saying, no, it's not. It's not hard at all. You only need faith the size of a mustard seed. If somebody does wrong, it is so simple just to say, I forgive. You set yourself free. You know, you stop that thing getting into your system like a little tiny seed and beginning to grow and to grow and to grow and to grow so that eventually it takes control of your life and destroys everything in your life. So much easier just to say, I forgive. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We go through life, Lord, and stuff happens to us. We live in a world that is uh, being devastated by sin. And, Father, there are times that it affects us. It affects our attitude. It affects those that we rub shoulders with. But, Father, I just pray, God, Lord, that you will just fill our hearts with the love of Christ. Lord, give to us the love. Give to us the compassion that we can say, I forgive. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.